Welcome to lesson one of our marriage class here at Palm Vista this fall, 2017. We've entitled it Breaking Bliss, a Marriage that Glorifies God. And today's lesson begins with communication. Why does it begin with communication? Well, I believe that our God, as revealed in Scripture, is a God who communicates. We think about the very nature of God. If you look in your notes there, the perfect and eternal communion of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That's where communication begins. When Jesus came to the earth, he spoke in John 10.30. He said, I and the Father are one. In John 15.5, Jesus says, Now, O Father, glorify me in your, and you, and I will glorify you on this earth. We know that the Father sent the Son. We know that the Father and the Son sent the Spirit. We have one God who is three persons. This triune God communicates perfectly within himself. And I know that's something hard to understand, right? But it's the whole idea of God communicates perfectly. There is no division in the Trinity. And in creation, God revealed himself through his works of creation and his word, and he reveals himself to us in Christ, and there is this perfect communication. As I mentioned, the Father sent the Son. The Son is the one who lived the perfect life and died on the cross and rose from the dead and ascended into heaven. And then the Son and the Father together sent the Holy Spirit. And so God communicates to us himself, and he's a God who communicates. We read in Hebrews 1.1, if you have your Bibles, turn there. Hebrews 1.1 says the following. God, Hebrews 1.1, speaks of God communicating to us His creation perfectly through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Hebrews 1.1, long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he, whom he appointed to be heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Verse 3, he is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. After making purification for sins, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high, having become as much superior to angels as the name he, was, he has inherited is more excellent than theirs. God is a God who communicates, is my point. And he made us in his image. And when he made us in his image, when we read Genesis 1, 1, all the way through to the last verse in chapter 2, he made us male and female. And the very first relationship he gives us in Genesis is marriage. And he gives us this relationship that we might communicate to one another. He made us in his image that we might reflect him. And we reflect him in our communication. Now we reflect him in our communication as singles. If you're here or you're listening, you're not married. He reflects himself. His image is reflected through you and how you communicate with others. But as a married couple... One of the key ways that we image God is in how we communicate with one another. Now, that's a challenge, isn't it? It's a challenge because in Genesis 3, something called the fall occurs. So in Genesis 3, this perfect communication between man and woman, this, this they were naked and unashamed in the garden is broken. And the curse comes. And in the curse, 
we see that women primarily are affected by just within the part of sin in a woman is to resist her husband and to say anybody but you can leave me. It's just there. And I'm sorry, ladies. And part of the curse, men, in us is to be harsh and to want to domineer and dominate and not care for our wives, but rather use them. Man, that's, that's egregious. That's bad. But that dynamic has come down through the ages and it may be present in your marriage right now in some form where the communication of this one person that God has given you to love, this one person with whom literally you can be naked and unashamed is interrupted. You may be sitting here right now thinking, Al, if only you knew our communications. If you would have been in our car today as we drove here, here's my word to you. There is hope for you. There is hope in Jesus Christ because Jesus came to reveal the Father. Jesus came to redeem His creation. So there is the joy of experiencing glory in our marriages because of Jesus Christ. He came to rescue us. Look at Hebrews 4. I love this passage, 12 to 16. This is going to be a theme for us throughout this entire series. Hebrews 4, 12 to 16. What? You're preaching and teaching on marriage from Hebrews? Yes, I am. Hebrews 4, 12 says the following, For the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing to the division of soul and spirit, of joints and marrow, and discerning the thoughts and intentions of the heart and of your marriage. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him with whom we must give account. I love this image of a naked person in the sense of God knows exactly as they are, and yet that connects with they were naked and unashamed in the garden. Paradise is being able to be naked and unashamed with somebody who will love you unconditionally, not judge you, not hurt you, not shame you, but love you. Don't we all want that? Jesus comes to restore that. Verse 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Hebrews 4, 14. Since then, we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has in every respect been tempted as we are, yet without sin. That's wonderful. He has been tempted as you have in your marriage when it comes to communications that can either be cold or harsh or violently aggressive verbally, I'm speaking now, or totally withdrawing or shaming one another or putting one another down. He's been tempted and all that, yet without sin. Verse 16. Here it is, folks. Let us then with confidence, friends, draw near to the throne of grace. For us, it's a throne of grace, no longer a throne of judgment. So that you may find what? Receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. That's my prayer for you. That you would, that you would receive mercy, that you would find grace to help in your time of need. Where do we start? In your notes. We start at the foot of the cross. So wherever you're at in your marriage communications this morning, this afternoon, I don't know, whenever you're listening to this, 10 years from now, 2027, you find this, you dust this off in some corner of some digital library somewhere, and you go, whoa, who's this guy? Listen, go to the foot of the cross. Go to the foot of the cross. 
Because there we find what? We find our God who humbled himself and died for our sins. You know that he died naked. Part of the shame of what they did to Jesus was they stripped him of his clothing. For a Jew, that was awful shame. He died naked. He died rejected of the Father so that you can live without shame in Him. So that you can be accepted by the Father. So that you can love one another and accept one another and communicate in a way that brings Him glory and brings you joy and good. Let us be motivated by the cross. This is the place where we can take risks. And this is probably the key about communication. Guys, communication involves taking risks. Do you see that in your notes? Shake your head if you see it. Communication involves taking risks. At the beginning, I'm naked and unashamed with my spouse. Uh, being naked involves taking some risks. Right, typically, the way we're wired is if you suddenly... You know, remember the dream where all of a sudden you, you dream and somehow you have no clothes on and there's a bunch of people looking at you. You typically wake up with cold sweats and freaking out. But we're talking about more than just physical nakedness. We're talking about what... I'm able to be who I am in front of you without the fear that you're going to reject me or judge me or shame me or hurt me. Don't we all want that? Right? Our kids, if you have teenagers, they're tempted by peer pressure. They're tempted to fit in. They're tempted to do things and be things that they're not just so people will like them. I always tell them, listen, if you have to do that to to fit in, then you don't really belong there. So get out of there. Belonging somewhere is being who you are and people saying, I love you just like you are. You belong. This is family. Fitting in is just putting a mask on and doing what you think people want you to do. That stinks. And if you're in a marriage like that, that's awful. Because you can feel trapped, can't you? I have to do this and this and this. Or my spouse will be mean to me. My spouse will harm me, maybe verbally and sadly, even some physically. If that's your situation right now, I pray God deliver you and give you grace. Jesus has come to redeem that. Jesus has come to redeem that. Uh, if you have your Bibles there, turn to 1 John 1, 6. At the root of the kind of communication that we are talking about in 1 John 1, 6 is this passage that speaks of true fellowship. 1 John 1, 6. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. To have real relationship, you have to walk in the light. As you know, when you get married, you get, that mask can only stay on just so long. And one day, that mask comes off. So I'll never forget this. I worked with a guy who had the most beautiful full head of hair I've ever seen in my life. This was back in the 80s. I mean, it was beautiful, bushy, curly. I mean, it was unbelievable hair. And uh, I have pretty good hair, so I wasn't, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't, uh, you know, threatened by that at all. But I'll never forget, we went to a conference. We were doing a conference in Washington, D.C., and I was lying in bed at night, you know, after we'd done the conference. There were two beds there. I'm watching ESPN Sports Center, and he walks out of the bathroom. I almost fell out of the bed. He was totally bald. He had, he had made, someone made the most amazing wig I've ever seen in my whole life. Matched his beard and everything. And I just, I just, I couldn't talk for about five minutes. I went, 
Well, eventually, right in your marriage, one day, your spouse walks out of the bathroom totally bald, metaphorically speaking. You go, what? That's not who I married. Well, yes, it is. Yes, it is. Yes, it is. And here's the deal. God made you to love them and accept them exactly as they are. And men, God actually says to us that whatever you might think of your spouse, if you're tempted to complain at all, actually, our call is to wash them with the water of the word. And ladies, you understand that applies to you for the, for the men as well. We're to disciple one another. We're, we're the one place where I can be who I am and you can love me for who I am, but love me enough not to let me stay where I'm at to become who God has called me to be, but in the process not beat me up and shame me and hurt me and mute me and dominate me, whatever is happening in your marriage. And that is possible in Jesus. Because that's how, back to the Trinity, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Listen, they're all three God. Excuse me, one God. So they're equally God. Sorry, theologians listening. Don't write me any letters. I know there's only one God. Relax. They're God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. But the Son clearly submits to the Father. It's all over the place. But they're equal in worth and being. By the way, a real a picture of submission, ladies, in marriage. And the Spirit, who is equal with the Father and Son, equally God, comes sent by the Father and the Son to reveal and glorify the Son and lead us to the Father. This is the picture. This is the picture of marriage. We have different roles. One submits to another. We have different roles. We serve one another. We're equal in worth, man and woman, equal in worth before the Almighty God, but secure enough in Christ that we can serve one another in the roles that He's given us and not beat each other up, but love each other, build each other up. We're either building up or we're tearing down, right? With our words, with what we do, what we don't do, with giving our our bodies to one another or not giving our bodies to one another, with covering each other's flaws. I'm not saying sweeping sin underneath the rug, but truly covering for one another instead of ridiculing and exposing and mocking one another, either privately or with others. This is possible in marriage. This is what communication is all about. It's about true biblical fellowship, as it states here, so that we can really know, I know this, this is my soulmate, that I am one with this person. It's possible. It's possible. It's glorious. So that's the kind of theological, doctrinal background but I want to get to practice in this, in this lesson. So the next point, elements of effective communication. See them there in your notes. I'm going to be throwing out some scriptures. Please feel free uh, to jot them down. We probably aren't going to have the time to go through each one. But I would say the first one is to cultivate a servant's attitude. To cultivate a servant's attitude. And the one I would say jumps out at me, there's many, is Philippians 2. And if you have some... You know, send me an email and say, hey, Al, I found this one to be effective. But this one, Philippians 2, 3, really captures this idea. Do, you, do I have a servant's attitude toward my spouse? Verse 3 of Philippians 2, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. That's a big one. Verse 4, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also to the interest of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, 
and becoming born in the likeness of men, we know what the rest says. He gave his life for us, and God has exalted him. Next, that servant, humble servant attitude then moves us to know how to listen. Uh, Develop an inquisitive attitude. Some of you are wired to be inquisitive. You just are. It's the way God made you. Others of you aren't. You're more focused, single-mindedly. You're not as aware of emotions of people around you. Your children could be on fire. If you have a task, you you smell something. You're not sure what it is, you know. you know, you just, but no, I, I envy people like you because you are very, you're like lasers, man. Like, if there's a task to be done, I'm going to give it to you because it's going to get done. But the problem is, you can be a little insensitive to what's going on around you, okay? And you mix in there some selfishness, and what happens? The heck with you. I'm doing what I'm doing, right? So pray. I'm going to be praying for you, but inquisitive people, and by the way, in any given marriage, some, usually one is better at this than the other. So learn from each other rather than get irritated with each other, rather than feeling like, oh, they're trying to show me up here. Ask the other one, say, look, I'm weak at this. I'm sorry I'm not sensitive to you. I'm sorry I don't know how to listen to you. I'm sorry I don't ask you a million questions. By the way, I wish you'd quit asking me a million questions. But I'm sorry. Teach me how to do this. Because I know it's going to help me understand you, and it's going to help you understand me, and we're going to grow deeper together in love. There's a lot of scriptures you can go to. I'm not going to go to all of these. Uh, but knowing how to listen in Proverbs is probably two. Just jot this down. Proverbs 6.13 and Proverbs 8.5 speaks about a, a person of understanding. Speaks about the person that listens before they answers. Oh, I'm not good at that one. And then, you know, James 1.19. James 1.19. I love this one. Basically, let everybody be swift to hear, slow to speak, and slow to wrath. Right? Some of you are swift to hear, and some of you are, slow, are swift to speak. I'm probably in the swift to speak category. All right, the next one, there in your notes. Work harder at knowing and understanding than at being known and understood. This is a big one. Is that in your notes? I just want to make sure. That, that line, good, thank you. Work harder at knowing and understanding than at being known and understood. You gotta ask yourself, in the middle of an argument with your spouse, are you more passionate? Are the veins popping out of your neck because they don't, they just don't get me? Is that your passion? Or is your passion, I wanna understand what they're saying, but they sound like an absolute crazy person. Let me slow down and let me let me put my efforts in trying to understand them. Rather than trying to make my point and argue and talk over them, let me. I want to. I want to. I want to understand you. We're different in our gender. I'm speaking now with your spouse. We're different, perhaps, in our emotional makeup. But I'm going to put my efforts. I want to understand you. If both couples are doing that, it's beautiful. We're trying to outdo each other in understanding one another. That that's the goal. That's the goal. There's a lot of ways you can do that. Uh, by the way, the scripture there, Proverbs six two, Proverbs six two. You know, basically, it's the fool that has no delight in understanding. He just wants to make his point known. And right, you've met people like that, right? Person that says, "Hey, I am talking. I'm tired about. I'm tired of talking of myself, Tim. Why don't you talk about me for a while?" You know, it's just that person. It's just it's the me show, twenty four seven, me channel. Um, But this is a great adventure to discover things about your spouse to really 
be interested in their experiences and their problems, to, to listen with intentionality, to pay attention, to not interrupt them. Oh, that one I'm not good at. These might not be in your notes, but just listen to these. Um, yeah. And by the way, practical, eliminate distractions. If you have children, you know, maybe wait till they're asleep. Um, to certainly get the TV off. Certainly throw the phone out the door into the water and run from it. Turn it off. Whoever's trying to get a hold of you is going to be okay if you're not there to monitor their next post on Facebook telling you they're at the mall buying a smoothie. But your spouse needs your, your full attention. Maintain visual contact. I have bad, I'm not a good poker player. So if you say something I don't like, my face boop, immediately you know, registers. Okay, just my wife has to learn how to walk through all that. But try as hard as you can not to actively make your face exactly you know, show that you don't like what they said. And try not to snarl, you know, things like that. Uh, yeah, I, I, this doesn't necessarily apply all the time. But a lot of times, men, we've got to understand that our wives want to speak a lot of details. And, and, and to, to show exasperation or to roll our eyes or to exhale like... <sighs> you're just being selfish. You're just, you're just being selfish. You're just being rude and arrogant. And shame on you. I will, I will call you out and shame you right in front of everybody. Shame on you. Be bigger than that, man. You listen to every detail. Even if in your mind you think, oh, I've heard this detail before. Great. You're her husband. You're there to care for her. There's, there's an intimacy our, our, our spouses get in just being able to share. And it doesn't have to be cogent and perfectly structured and to the point. The point is you're, you're listening. And ladies, I would say to you, just help us as men. We tend to be more generalist when we share. Um, I would just say, be prudent with your inquiries. You may have 40 questions. Maybe just think about how you compare them down to 20. For some of us, sometimes 10 works or five. Um, so again, if you're both working toward that, it helps. All right. The next one, remember that your partner needs to know you and understand you. Is that in your notes? Yeah. All right. Here the model for us truly is the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, we have different needs. Those needs and those makeups have been given to us by God. They imaged God, male and female, together. This is the essence of communication. Be intimately involved in the life of our spouse God is intimately involved in our lives and he loves us and knows us like no one else. Jesus was tempted as we were. Um, all right, listen to me. Unless you let your spouse know your fears, your ambitions, your desires, your thoughts, your ideas, your convictions, your reactions, your flaws, your weaknesses, your feelings, they are not going to be incorporated in your life. You'll live as polite strangers at home. Occasionally being intimate, raising children, but there's more. It's not bad. All that's good, but there's more. 
It's hard to be vulnerable, right? Now listen, especially if, if, if your spouse is vulnerable to you and you somehow mishandle that. If you do, then repent of that quickly. But keep, keep trying. The blood of Jesus covers. Okay. Yeah, and then conquer the things that hinder communication. How do you do that? Well, I don't know. For you, it's going to be very, very different. But I can say some broad things. Uh, conquer the biggest thing that hinders communication. You ready? Silence. Press through, man. Press through. I, I've provided for you here a list of questions. There's, there should be some appendices here. We're not going to get to them. 20 questions to ask your spouse, 20 questions to ask your husband, five questions to ask yourself, two questions to ask your bookie. I don't know. Just it, There's all kinds of questions here. Sorry, the fight was last night, so I'm thinking of bookies. Do not gamble. That's a bad thing to do. Uh, so... These are questions that you can just sit, you know, maybe just pick one and say, on our drive to someone's house tonight, because it's an hour-long drive, I'm just going to ask this question. Pray about it, you know. Guys, we're not typically wired this way, but get wired this way. Connect that wiring. Another hindrance that you can try to conquer in communication is the fear of being rejected. Um, Listen, sometimes you can fear putting a burden on your spouse, well, if I share with him or her what I'm really thinking, it's going to put a burden on them. They were designed to sh- carry that burden. And men, especially for us, typically, classically, it can be harder for us to be vulnerable and, and share weaknesses. God calls her your helpmate because you need help. Um, listen, another hindrance to communication is a total inability to receive correction. Um, if my spouse, biblical femininity and masculinity is marked by an environment where our spouses can offer kind, loving, redemptive correction without getting their heads blasted off. But if I do that, and by the way, some people blast other people's heads off, which is hot war, you know, and some people just freeze the other person out, which is cold war. So once the question comes for a little bit of discussion about an area where maybe our spouse needs to change, you know, if you're a cold warrior, wall goes up, it's frigid in every way. If you're a hot warrior, it's, I can't believe it. You're not respecting me. Who do you, you know, both of them discourage the other one from real community. What do you want? Do you just want somebody that you want all the time who's never real? Or do you want a real person? (laughs) You know what I'm saying? Uh, So this is a tough one. And this is where, again, the gospel, I'm secure in Christ, so I can hear these questions and it's not going to shake my world. Accusatory attitudes and words aren't helpful. Anger, obviously, is not helpful. Frustration or roughness, these are all hindrances to communication. And interrupting or terminating one another's conversation prematurely is not helpful. All right. Communicate spontaneously. That next point there. Um, You know... How can you plan communication is one thing. How can you always be looking for a way to communicate is another. Um, you know, men, you got, we got to work on this one. I am not wired typically to do this one. That's just not who I am. We got to become that way. And ladies, I would just say this to you, because typically... You are better at this than we are. I'm not saying all the time. Your marriage may not reflect this. But typically, 
Ladies are a little better at this. I would just say, pick the opportune time. As he's running out the door to go to work because he's a little late, that might not be the best time. Uh, just, Just think about it. Pray about it. And then the last point there, scheduling time together. Uh, I don't know how you guys do it. Your calendars, your schedules may be very different. I know for my wife and me, um, it typically is the morning. We are more morning people. You may not be a morning person. You may say absolutely not. Nothing would be spoken in the morning if we did it. You may be a one in the morning person, a midnight person. You maybe can lay in bed and not fall asleep in five seconds and have deep conversations. Now, that's not me. Uh, <laughs> deep conversations are met by snores in my bedroom if they occur anytime after 10, and these days after 9. Um, but, but schedule it. So we, we schedule times in the morning. We walk. We walk. And, and just recently we were talking about this. We had been walking and reading together. So we're reading a book called Good and Angry by David Pallison. And uh, I mean, I don't know why we're reading that book. Maybe it's because I wrestle with anger. <laughs> um, and, and the other day I said to Des, and by the way, my wife is a, is an, uh, a reader, excuse me, a, a visual learner. So my wife learns by actually looking at the words. I'm an audio learner, so I learn by listening. So it worked out. So she would read the book in our neighborhood, which has sidewalks, and no one's going to, you know, get run over by a car. We've lived there for 18 years, so we kind of know our neighborhood pretty well. And I would listen. And I'm sure if you watch this, people would think, this is funny, this is where you shouldn't judge people. They would think, oh, that poor couple, they're taking a walk, and the poor man probably wants to talk, but his wife's on the phone the whole time, you know? <laughs> and it's not the case. She's reading to me, and we'll stop every once in a while. But the other day, I said, I said baby, let's read at a different time. Let's read at night, okay? <laughs> Which is dangerous again. But I'll, stay, I'll walk around my, my living room while she's reading. Uh, let's just talk more you and me, in the mornings, and pray more. So we, we started. We used to do that, then we went to reading. And So I, listen, for you, it could be totally different. It could be, if you have a long commute, you, you, in, your wife can do this, maybe you guys can get on, you know, talk on the phone while you're commuting. I don't know. Maybe not. Uh, I don't know, whatever it is. Maybe a restaurant. But schedule times where you can talk. And I would say this, be willing to say no to other commitments. Make an appointment with your spouse. You hear that? If someone asks you, hey, I need to talk to you. Are you available such and such and such and such? No, I've got an appointment. And it's okay to just say, I've got an appointment. And you look down and it's, I'm going to talk with my wife from 5.30 to 6 or whatever. Just even the kids. Listen, I would say uh, some parents have done better at this than we, Desi and I did. They'll, they'll, they'll train their children. Listen, mommy and daddy are doing something very important. So if it's in the morning, stay in your bed until 8.30, you know, an alarm will go off, a bird will sing, whatever you want to do. Be creative with your kids, you know. I'll fire a rocket into your room, you know, when it's time. Um, but you stay in bed, and, and you train them that way. And, and you have 30 minutes. For your wife, for your husband, that may be all they need. Just to download some data. Just to catch you up on their day. You know, and then you can stay current. And then there may be a time where you go out on a date night. And it's three hours dealing with that one issue that's really got them. Okay? All right. So what I want to do is pray for you. Before I do, I want you to look at the... You might have already done this. I saw some of you perusing these. Uh, There's some questions for application. So please take these and discuss them with your spouse if they're here with you. What things have helped our communication in the past? 
You can write that down. You see that questions for application? Everybody see it? Okay. What things have hindered our communication in the past? Write those down. The way I like to ask that is, Desi, is there something I do, I'm doing that's helpful in our communication that you like, that you want me to continue or even do more so? Listen. Baby, is there anything I'm doing in our communication that's terrible and that's not helping you? Yes. So I'm a jokester. I, I, I'm rarely serious. Uh, and, and just recently, Desi said, you know, it doesn't help me when you're always joking. You know, so you, you hear that and you go, Ugh. but she's absolutely right. You know, particularly when she's sharing her heart and then I, I joke, and I, I have stupid ways of joking. I'm not going to go into it. They're funny to no one but me, so I'll say it, I'll start laughing, and I'll see her, she'll roll her eyes, you know. And uh, so I'm saying, great, thank you, honey. And so, and, and she's gracious with me. It's not like she's pounding me with it. I'm asking her, honey, what am I doing in my communication that's not helpful? I'm, I'm, I'm opening that door for her. Open the door for your spouse. Do it graciously. And walk through that door, if you're the spouse who has the door open, graciously. Okay. Have you prayed for your partner in your marriage this week? That's a big one. Number three. Uh, and then there's an evaluation there that we have below. Uh, you can see that. Uh, there's a what to talk about one. Uh, there's an evaluation of your communication. I think that's after the what to talk about. Take that. Pray before you take it. <laughs> Remember the gospel. Because if the evaluation doesn't come out really great, that's fine. Jesus is your Lord, and you're secure in him, and you love one another. You're both on the same team. You're not critiquing the other person. You are helping your marriage bring glory to God, right? A marriage that glorifies God. And then finally, there's the 20 questions I mentioned. 20 questions to ask your husband, and 20 questions to ask your wife. All right, let's pray. Lord, I'm, I'm aware that in this room this morning here in Miami Lakes, there may be various levels of marital bliss and there may be some levels of marital marital conflict and desperation even or perhaps those that are listening right now digitally Lord please help us those of us that have been married over 30 years who are experiencing some unique things as we grow older our minds aren't as keen as they once used to be hormones are going crazy emotions are going crazy We're just slowing down. Kids are out of the house and our lives have changed radically. We feel loss. Lord, help us to remain, to finish well. Lord, give us a vision that at our 50th anniversary, should you so deem us to live that long, that we would be laughing, maybe with fewer teeth in our mouth, and we would be loving one another looking a little differently than we did physically and even our relationship, but to your glory and our good. And for the couple that is here that has been married a few weeks, a few months, they haven't completed a year yet, give them hope. Lord, for the couples that are right in the thick of it with lots and lots of children and life is crazy and driving here and there and there's never a a, a moment where you can just have peace, it seems like. Lord, give them hope for the couple that that is wrestling even with considering the unthinkable, leaving one another. Give them hope. Give us hope. Because Jesus, that's what you came to do. May we come to your throne and find mercy and grace for help in our time of need. Help us to communicate in a way that honors you. Oh Lord, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.